everybody. Uh, my name is Chris. I am one of the pastors on staff here at Crossview Church, and I'm really glad that you decided to join us online for worship today. Uh, I'm going to be going through a few announcements in just a minute, uh, but just know that there's always more information available on our website, so crossviewrapids.org or in our Church Center app. You can download that in the App Store uh, or on the Google Play Store as well for your smartphone. So a few quick announcements. Uh, First up, Apex students and parents. Uh, Next Wednesday, August 26th from 3 to 7 p.m. at Doug and Lori Gallick's home, you'll be having uh, your annual boating day. Uh, So you can check online or social media for information about uh, that address um, as well as what you should bring and what you should wear and all those sorts of things. And then parents, on Sunday, August 30th from 7 to 8 p.m., Kale's going to be having his annual uh, parent meeting uh, on Zoom. So make sure you mark your calendar for that and then check the website and social media and your email to get the link to attend that. I just want to encourage you, uh, if you don't normally attend parent meetings, make this one that you do uh, because Kale's going to be walking you through what the fall looks like uh, with everything going on with COVID and Apex. So please plan to be there uh, Sunday, August 30th, 7 to 8 p.m. on Zoom for that important Apex parent meeting. As you know, as a church, we've been doing a lot of outreach uh, during this time of meeting outdoors, um, and this week is no different. So uh, you heard last week that we've been partnering with Wisconsin Rapids Public Schools. Uh, If you have donations for that this week, you can feel free to drop those off uh, at Crossview on Sunday. Um, Otherwise, this week our highlighted organization is First Choice Pregnancy Center, Uh, so you can uh, check out their wish list in the app Uh, or on the website, and um, we'd love to have you bring donations for that great organization in our community. Finally, uh, we're so excited that Life Group signups are beginning next Sunday, August 30th. So as you heard a few weeks ago, uh, Jedediah Haas was brought on as our pastor of Group Life, and he's done just an amazing job of building life groups here at Crossview Church. And so signups are going to begin for those next Sunday, August 30th. One of the big questions we've been wrestling with is, how can people stay connected during COVID. Obviously, there's a variety of different comfort levels uh, with meeting together. And so the answer, uh, how do we stay connected with people, is life groups. So there will be a few different options for socially distanced things or online uh, or a hybrid of the two. Uh, So whatever your comfort level is, we will have a group for you uh, and signups will begin next Sunday, August 30th. So please uh, think about that and prayerfully consider how you might uh, decide to join a life group. Thank you. Uh, Let's go before the Lord now with a time of worship. Thank you for joining us for worship today. Let us praise our Lord together. One, two, three. same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. And the same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things
to praise. We choose to glorify God with our lives, and we choose to be living sacrifices unto him. Today's scripture reading is from Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. So let us continue to worship now, expressing our hearts through song by lifting high the name of Jesus.
Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of Thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for Thee. Take my voice and let me sing always only for my King. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages from Thee. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. Take my intellect and Every power as you choose Here am I All of me Take my life It's all And make it thine It shall be no longer mine Take my heart It is thine own It shall be thy royal throne Take my love My Lord I pour at your feet it's treasure store take myself and I will be ever only all for thee take myself and I will be
Take my life It's all for thee Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Heavenly Father, thank You for all the gifts You've given us, Your mercy and grace and Your love, that we may reflect that love back to You and out to the world to show the world what Jesus truly was about. Thank you for everything. We love you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. I have a hard time loving God. Sometimes I struggle to love God. Now let me explain what I mean by that. Not in terms of like I don't want to love God or I'm resisting to love God, but just in terms of sometimes I don't know how to love God. I don't know what the process is to loving God. What do we do to love God? And that's what I struggle with sometimes. One of the things I love to do is play golf. And what I've found in playing golf is that if I force it, if I try to hit that ball really far, it never, ever pans out. In fact, it's a disaster. It's more of a game that's relaxed. Sometimes I try to love God like I play golf. I try to force it. I try to make it happen. I see a verse where Jesus says to love me means you obey my commands. And I say, you know what? I'm going to obey his commands like nobody else can. And I really, really work hard. But I find the harder I work, the more I fail. And then we come to a series like this, where we're doing a sermon series about Crossview Church called Who We Are. Who are we as Crossview Church? And one of the things that we look at when we ask that question is our mission statement that says, at Crossview Church, we are people who love God, love others, and serve the world. And so I'm going to take three weeks, these next three weeks, and look at each one of those. And today I'm looking at loving God. And I look at myself and we say, how do we love God? And I see my struggle and I think, how do we do this? How do we love God? Now you're probably sitting there saying, well, if he's a pastor and he can't do it, I'm in big trouble. Or you're saying, it's time to get a new pastor. Or maybe, just maybe, you're saying, I can relate to that. I don't know what it means to love God either. And it seems like the more I try, the more I fail. You see, when we're encouraged to love God, sometimes we respond in one of three different ways. First of all, sometimes we respond by we try to earn it. We say, I'm going to earn God's love for me and therefore I'll be able to love him. And we get in this place where we try to earn God's love. And we say, if I do X, Y, Z, God will bless me. He'll give me his love. And if my life is going well, that means I'm loving God well. If my life is going horrible, that means I'm not loving God well. And we think this relationship with God is like a bargaining table where there's chips exchanged and it's a, it's a, a marketplace to figure out his love. Or the second thing we do is we try to work at it really, really hard, kind of like my golf game, where we say, I'm going to set the plan. Jesus said, obey me means to love me. I'm going to obey, 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 and we work at it, and when we fail, we get back to the plan. And what happens in that paradigm is Christianity begins to feel like if I perform really, really well spiritually, then that means I love God. 
that loving God is linked to my spiritual performance. That's the second thing we do. The third thing we do, if it's not that we earn it, and if it's not that we work at it, the third thing we do is we just give up altogether because we say it's just way too hard. I can't earn it. I can't work at it. And I just give up. It's just too hard. Why add another thing? I am too sinful. I'm too broken. I can't perform and fake this anymore, so I'll just give up. Or we give up because life is just too hard. And we experience so many hardships in life, it's just too hard to love God. And that makes it really, really difficult. So we give up. We do nothing. We stop going to church because that's when the guilt sets in. We feel awkward because we know we're not who we should be. We're not living like we should. And so when we go to church, we play a game, and sometimes that gets too hard, so we just stop going to church. We stop posting the verses on our Facebook page because we don't want to live the lie anymore. And we begin to pull back and withdraw because we feel like we'll never be able to love God. Can you relate to any of that? Does any of that sound familiar? One of the biggest factors that determines which of those paths you take or how you approach loving God is what it was like for you to receive love growing up. I'm serious. And some of you may be saying, oh, here he's getting all psycho on me. No, no, I'm serious. How you love God is in a direct correlation to how you received love in your life. If you grew up in a home where your parents were demanding and they were tough on you and you had to earn your love, that's going to determine how you receive God's love and how you love God. Or if you grew up in a home where there were no parents and there was nobody to pour into you, that's going to have a huge effect on how you receive God's love and how you love God. If you always had to prove your worth, if you always had to earn your affection, if you always had to perform well in order to be loved, that will affect how you receive God's love and how you love God. It just will. That's just how it is. And my hunch is none of us grew up in the perfect surrounding. My hunch is none of us grew up in the perfect home. In fact, there's probably enough fun in all of our family dysfunction to have a ball for all of us, right? We all have grown up in broken homes because we're all broken human beings. And so that is going to affect how we go about loving God. And you might be saying at this point, man, I don't know if I'll be able to love God. If you saw my background, if you saw the things that I'm dealing with, if, if, if what you're saying I, I totally identify as totally true, if you really knew what was going on, there's no way I'll be able to love God. Well, the good news is that God sees us in that state where we don't even know if we'll be able to do it. And he sees us in this place where we try to earn it, we try to work at it, or we just give up. And he still loves us. And not only does he still love us, love us, he provides a way for us to receive his love and to love him back. See, we need God to love God. And God shows us and gives us a gift today and tells us, here's how you do it. And it's in his word. If you have a Bible, open it up to Romans chapter 12 or turn your Bible on to Romans chapter 12. Uh, Romans is right after the book of Acts. If you get First and Second Corinthians, you've gone too far, back up. And we're going to camp out in one verse today. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. 
God is saying, if you feel like you don't know how to love God, if you feel like you'll never measure up, the Apostle Paul in this letter gives us help to love God well. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. True worship means to love God. Loving God means true worship. And Paul is saying here, this is your true worship. The two things that I said before are your true worship. And now we want to look at what those two things are. The first thing he says is if you want to love God, if you want to worship God, first thing is in view of the mercies of God. In view of the mercies of God, looking at all that God has done for you, all of his love, all of his grace, all of his mercy, looking at all that, that's where you start. In order to love God, you first have to start with understanding how much he loves you, understanding all that he did for you. That's the starting point. What we typically do, if I say you need to love God more, you say, okay, and you jump to the sacrifice part. That means i got to obey, i got to obey, i got to obey. And you move into earn it mode, work it mode. You try to make it happen. And the Apostle Paul saying that's not where you start. If you want to love God, the first place you have to start is in view of his mercies, in view of all he's done, and look at how much he loves you. You start with understanding his love, understanding his grace, understanding his mercy. In fact, if the Apostle Paul was here teaching us, he would say, you know what? I just took Romans chapter 1 to 11, Because it says, therefore, brothers and sisters, therefore, what does he mean by therefore? He means everything I've taught up to this point from chapters 1 to 11, where I tell you how much God loves you, you need to remember that. You need to let that soak in because in chapters 1 to 11, he begins to tell us that you were so far off, you were spiritually dead, and you couldn't awaken yourself back to spiritual life. And God loved you so much, he sent his son Jesus Christ to earth to die on a cross for your behalf, to take your punishment, to take the blame of your sins so that you can be brought into a right relationship with God the Father. And he did it because he loves you. He did it because he's full of grace, because he's full of mercy. And what Paul is saying is you need to understand that first before you think about how you're going to love God. You need to understand that love in your heart. We're going to get to the sacrifice part in a minute, but Paul's saying before we get to that, you have to, in view of God's mercies, live your life. I love the name of our church, Crossview Church. In view of the cross, we live our life. In view of that place where it says God demonstrates his love for us by sending his son Jesus to die for us on a cross, we have to live our lives in view of that amazing event where God shed his love on the human race and the human race experienced an act of love that can never ever experience that will match that. We begin the Christian life living there. That's how we love God. We receive that. We allow that to penetrate ourselves. And we have to start there. You know why we have to start there? Because God loves us into surrendering our lives to him. 
God loves us into surrendering our lives to him. That's the Christian life. God loves us into surrendering our lives to him. You want to know the secret to the Christian life? You want to know the silver bullet? You want to know the thing that makes it all work? I'm not sure there is one, but if there is, I would put this up against it, that God loves us into surrendering our lives to him. That's what he's all about. And that's what Paul is saying in this verse. Paul is saying in light of all the love, all the grace, all the mercy, the proper response is to sacrifice our lives, to surrender to him, to give him our lives in view of what he's done for us. There's a great hymn writer named Isaac Watts, and he nailed this. He looked at Romans 12, 1, and he nailed it, and he wrote a song about it. And one of the lines in the song says this, Love so amazing, so divine, so heavenly, that it demands my soul, my life, my all. You see that? We think when we have to love God, we jump to the second part. i got to give him my soul, my life, my all. And we start there and we try to make that happen really hard, but we have no fuel to do it because we're not focusing on the first part. Love's so amazing. Love's so heavenly, so divine. And when we focus there, then the only right response, love's so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. See, the surrender and the sacrifice comes after we understand how much God has loved us and how much he's given us mercy and grace because God loves us into surrendering our lives to him. So we're going to have to look at the surrender part. Some of you rule followers are saying, yeah, but you've got to get to the surrender part. We've got to make sure we, we do this right. And that's why I'm really hammering this. We have to let God's love penetrate our hearts One of the greatest God lovers of all time, the Apostle John, wrote this. He said, we love God because he first loved us. One of the greatest God lovers of all time, the Apostle Paul, or Apostle John, he nailed it. We love God because he first loved us. And we have to understand that and let that fuel us, let that motivate us to the second part. Look at the second part. It says, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. The way that it's written in the original language says the sacrifice is total and it's reasonable. To sacrifice your body, yourself, your whole being to God is, makes sense in view of how much he loves you and how much grace he's given you, how much mercy he has given you. It makes sense. Let's look at these three words, to present or to offer. Paul was painting this picture of the Old Testament sacrifice where people, when they needed to uh, restore their fellowship with God because of sin, God gave the Old Testament system where they would take an animal and sacrifice the animal. And the the sacrifice of the animal was a foreshadowing of Jesus' blood covering us and bringing us into right relationship with God. And so when they presented this animal as a sacrifice, it was the act of becoming right with God. And that sacrifice, that animal was all in. That animal died. It wasn't like they just clipped a little bit of the hair and gave that to God. It was his life. It was an all-out presentation. It was an offering. And God is saying that's what required of us once we understand that love. What are we to offer? It says our bodies, but not just our physical bodies. That's what we often think of when we read that. 
but it's all of us, our mind, our will, our emotion, our desires, our affections, our goals, our dreams, our hopes. We are to take all that and sacrifice it to God. When we understand God's love, when we understand his mercy, we understand how much he loves us, the right response is to give him our will, our lives, our dreams, our hopes, our affections, the ambitions we have in life, to give us all of that. That's what desires. It's the only right response. So it's total. It's all-encompassing and it's reasonable. We present our bodies as what? A living sacrifice. In the Old Testament, God consumed the sacrifice. He accepted it. God is to consume our lives, to consume our emotions, consume our thinking, our thoughts, our actions, what we do. And it says here that we are to live a sacrifice that's living, holy, pleasing. We're supposed to be living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. You see, we understand God's love and his mercy and his grace so much that it motivates us to give God our all and to live a, way, live a life that's holy and pleasing and active for him. There's this connection there. That's how we love God, according to the Apostle Paul and according to God and his word. The Christian commitment is this. We so understand the love of God that we surrender all of ourselves to him, our rights, our freedoms, our ambitions, everything we are. The Christian life is more about us giving up our freedoms than it is protecting and preserving our freedoms. It's more about us giving up our rights than it is to preserve our rights. In fact, listen to me on this one. You show me a person that has a hard time giving up their rights you show me a person that has a hard time giving up their freedoms. I'll show you a person that doesn't understand how much God loves them. Because when we understand how much God loves us, what he's done for us, his mercy, his grace, it empowers us to do the only right response, which is to give him our soul, our life, and our all. Because God loves us into surrendering to him. You know, we've heard the phrase that sometimes a person has to hit rock bottom before they start looking up, right? Sometimes a person has to hit rock bottom before they start looking up. But you know, that's actually not true. The true phrase is when someone hits rock bottom in order to look up, they need to understand that while they're at rock bottom, God loves them. When they've fallen on their face and they have stumbled to the point of no return where they feel like they can't, they've screwed up so bad that no one could possibly love them and they understand that there's a God in heaven who loves them so much, who desires to be their father, who desires to give them grace, mercy, and forgiveness and give them a new life. When they get to that place, that's transformational. That makes a huge difference. That's when you realize his love is so good when you're at rock bottom and you understand the mercies of God and you understand the love of God. You will never be able to love God unless you understand how much he loves you and you surrender your life to him. That's what this verse is saying. You'll never be able to love God to have a pleasing life of worship unless you understand how much he loves you 
and you surrender your life totally to him. So I'm going to invite you to do something. I want you to answer this question. When was the last time you sensed God's love for you? When was the last time you sensed God's love for you? Have you ever? Think about it. When was the last time you sensed God's love for you? Maybe you're thinking, well, there's that one time in church when we were singing that worship song. I just sensed this presence that I was just accepted by God and that just that was his love. Or maybe there's that time when you really hurt somebody and you were so driven by guilt, you went to them and you asked for forgiveness and they forgave you and you sensed this love and this freedom. Or maybe you're there and you're saying, I don't know if I've ever sensed that at all. I don't know if I could say I know what it means to sense God's love in my life. What would you like to? I'm going to challenge you. Would it be worth 15 minutes a day for five days? 15 minutes a day for five days. I'm going to invite you to take part in a version devotional for five days and you give 15 minutes a day for five days. The version devotional is in our church center app. It's called How God's Love Will Change Us. For five days, if you read that devotion and read the scriptures with it and you pray and invite God to show you that, I think he will. But here's what I want you to do. I don't want you just to read the devotion and read the scripture. I also want you at the end of that time to say, God, will you show me your love for me? God, will you show me your love for me? And you can even be honest with them and say, I don't know if I've ever experienced love at all, let alone love from you. Will you show me your love for me? I challenge you to do that. At Crossview Church, our mission is to love God, love others, and serve the world. And today we're talking about loving God, and we're looking at it mostly as an individual. How do we as individuals love God? But I want you to think about something. What would happen if every single person that looked at Crossview Church as their church home really truly understood what this verse is saying in light of the mercies of God, if they really understood how much God loves them, how much he's forgiven them, how much grace he pours out, what if all of us that call Crossview Church our home really anchored and saturated our hearts in how much God loves us, how much he forgives us, and that transformed us to a point where we gave up all of our lives for Jesus Christ where we gave Jesus Christ our dreams, our hopes, our wills, our desires, the things that we hold on to with dear life, if we are able to let go of those things because we sensed how much he loves us and he said, I'm going to love you, you don't need to hang on to that thing anymore, and we let it go, what would that look like if everybody who called Crossview Church their home did that? It would change our church radically. Not only that, it would change our community radically. What would happen if God's people were so saturated in his love that they truly were able to present their bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God? If they understood God's love so much, it propelled them to surrender to him fully. The world would be a different place. Let's pray that happens to people who call themselves followers of Jesus Christ. Father in heaven, I just ask that you would allow us to understand your love, your mercy, your grace, 
in such a way that it would propel us to surrender. It would compel us to give up our lives for you. Lord, I pray that that would happen not just in the midst of our church, but in the midst of every person who calls themselves a follower of you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
And now, Crossview Church, I give you this blessing in view of God and who he is and his amazing mercies. May you be filled with the power of his Holy Spirit so that you may know his love and live a life in full sacrifice and surrender to him. In Jesus' name, amen.